the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, Just a reminder, you're listening to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Uh, Alan Dempsey uh, does our engineering each weekend and uh, does it in a very, very creative way. And and then Andrew Herdliska produces this show. Uh, Michael Hidalgo joins us in the first half hour. He's the lead pastor of Denver Community Church. We're going to talk about his new book, Changing Faith. Questions, doubts, and choices about an unchanging God. Michael, wonderful to catch up with you. How you doing? I'm doing well, Pat. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Michael and his wife and three children live in Denver, Colorado. Uh, a good place to be. That's God's country out there, isn't it, uh, Michael? It is. I always tell people it's not a difficult place to live. <laughs> Good for you. Well, Michael, let's uh, plow in here. Changing Faith, uh, what's the history or the story behind this book? Yeah, so I have the opportunity to travel and speak in a lot of different places around the country, and I'm in different contexts all the time, from being like in churches to colleges and places where people are following Jesus and places where people are not. And I began to realize over the years, I was hearing a lot of the same questions in all sorts of different contexts. And as I was responding to these questions, I began to think, I should write all this stuff down because it's the same questions over and over. And the more that I wrote down and the more I began interacting, I began to realize there's a book here that's addressing questions that so many people seem to be asking. And that's where the idea for the book came from and eventually the book came from. Chapter one is called From Closed to Open. Uh, What does that mean? Yeah, I think when I was growing up, I grew up in uh, the East Coast, so New York, New Jersey area. And then I moved to grand rapids michigan Mm. and at the age of 14 i began to realize that the faith that i saw and experienced in new york was was different than what i experienced in michigan and for so many of us we'll enter into different places and see different ways of people responding to god and connecting with jesus and the idea is we either have to like lose one way or or jet i use the term lens we have to stop looking through one lens and pick up another, and then go with that. Or what we could actually do is say, no, this makes me wealthier, this makes me richer, this is a deeper and broader way of understanding the Christian faith, which has been around for 2,000 years. And so we can take, we can take different streams of, of, of different Christian traditions and broaden our view of Jesus versus making it narrower and narrower. Now, the second topic that you get into, uh, Michael Hidalgo, our guest, from certainty to probability, uh, fill us in on that. Yes. Well, it's interesting. Uh, Albert Einstein has the famous quote that God doesn't play dice. And he said this because as the scientific world began looking at the smaller and smaller and smaller particles, they began to see that there's this whole subatomic world that doesn't make sense. You'll have, you'll have some particles that will have a life that is only a millionth of a second. And so they'll appear from somewhere, and then they disappear, and no one knows where it came from or where it went. You'll have particles that will bond together, and then they'll separate and still share the properties as though they're bonded. 
And so scientists began freaking out and saying the world of certainty that we've once believed we lived in no longer seems to be the world that we're living in. And so I talk about how with faith, there are so many things we struggle to explain and understand about God. And it's possible as we, as we move forward that what we need more of is not certainty. Like, for example, yesterday I sent a text to a, to a couple in our church. It was the one-year anniversary of the death of their four-year-old daughter. And there's, at some level, you can't explain why this happened. There's no certainty around it. We can talk about what we've learned. We can talk about all those things. But why this happened, not 100% sure. And so there's this idea of we know something's happening. We know that God is in it. We know that God is orchestrating this whole thing and moving this whole thing forward. But all of the, the facts and certainty and being able to nail everything down, that's not so easy anymore. And that's one of the things I run into with people is there's all of these questions they have and they're struggling to believe there's any really good answers. From uh, definition to description, that's the next topic for you, Michael. Yes. So I, uh, that, that chapter is about theology. Mm. And I talked about how if you asked me about my wife, I wouldn't define her. I wouldn't say, well, my wife is five foot eight, stunningly beautiful. Uh, I married way over my head, all those things. I would, I would start telling you stories. I, I wouldn't define her. I would describe her. I would talk about when we met at the age of 16 and how the first time that we locked eyes, I'm pretty sure that REO Speedwagon started playing somewhere in the background. And like, I would, I would gush and gush and gush about our relationship and our life together and what it's meant to me and how it's changed me and shaped me and challenged me and, the life that we've built together and our children. And then I would probably say, you need to meet her mom so you can learn more about her. You need to meet her best friends. You need to meet the people with whom she works. Because what would happen is you would begin to get a very big, robust understanding of who my wife is. And I would bet that after enough conversation, you would want to meet her. And so I speak about how we talk about God oftentimes is we're trained first to define God rather than describe God. There's a story that Donald Miller tells about being with Bill Bright, who is the founder of Campus Crusade, and he said he asked Bill, tell me about Jesus, and Bill Bright just started crying. That, that to me, that goes beyond someone who just wants to define God to someone who can describe God, someone who knows God. And so that's the idea behind that chapter, is what if we become people who know God so deeply that when we describe him, when we talk about him, when we have our own experiences in talking about him, people say, I want to meet that God. From words to experience. That's topic number four, Michael. Yes, words to experience. It's interesting that we are people in our culture today who love words. And now with the advent of social media and the online presence of the news, we're inundated with words. But what's interesting is words are often used to describe experience, which means experience happens first to us. And so I talk about how as much as we value words, it's interesting that we, what the pattern that we see with God and the direction that we see with God and the person of Jesus is God used words for centuries. And, and what, the, what we see through the Hebrew Scriptures is all of the words in the world didn't seem to work. It didn't connect. The people couldn't understand God. And so God said, you want to know what I'm like? And John says in his prologue in chapter 1, the Word became flesh. And so what we see then is Jesus revealing who God is. It's not more words. It's I'm going to allow you to experience me in flesh and blood. And I talk about how when it comes to our faith and the world in which we live, we're often interested in preaching, in arguing, in proving. But what would happen if we took on the pattern that we see in Jesus and God, of God becoming human, 
what if we stop using words and more lent ourselves towards saying, no, we're going to give people an experience of God by the way that we live our lives in such a compelling way that our words will actually have weight because they're loaded with experience. My guest, Michael Hidalgo, lead pastor of Denver Community Church, Denver, Colorado, which under his leadership has grown from 40 people to over 2,000. We're talking about his book, Changing Faith, uh, IVP, the publisher. Uh, We've got another segment with uh, Michael Hidalgo. I want you to stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Christian Health would like to invite you to the Governor's Job Fair, where you'll find over 70 to 80 companies offering thousands of career openings in various industries. On September 9th, this job fair is taking place in Orlando at the Central Florida Fair Expo Park on West Colonial Drive from 12 noon till 4 p.m. With free parking and admission, professional dress is required, and no children, please. Register as a job seeker today online with the Central Florida Employment Council at cfec.org. And then don't miss the job fair on September September 9th. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandek, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. Hey, this is Michael Medved, and if you're a business owner or a manager in Central Florida, you ought to know that Bolt Signs wants to get your business noticed. When you need signs of any kind in a flash, call Bolt. Visualize your business logo, message, or event announcement in full color on beautiful vinyl banners of virtually any size. Large format digital printing is Bolt's specialty. The creative staff at Bolt Signs will recreate your image on banners, vehicle wraps, wall wraps, magnetic signs, even dimensional signage for almost any surface in a flash. Call Bolt for a free on-site consultation. That's right, Bolt's design consultants will come to you. New businesses need to get your message out. Bolt Signs will be there in a flash. Bottom line, in Central Florida, if you need signs of any kind in a flash, call Bolt. Here's the number, 407-865-SIGN, or go to myboltsigns.com. When you need signs of any kind in a flash, call Bolt Signs, 407-865-SIGN, for Bolt Signs, or go to myboltsigns.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Michael Hidalgo is our guest from Denver, Colorado. His new book is out. It's called Changing Faith. And we have arrived at topic number five, Michael, from knowing to unknowing. Uh, What are you teaching here? Yeah, I talk in that chapter about the place of doubt in the Christian life and the place of questions, which there's some who say, I'm not, I'm not sure we're supposed to doubt. And the way I talk about it is, if, like, for example, with my children, I have my youngest is five years old, my oldest is 12. And it's interesting how my 12-year-old has more questions about God and life than my five-year-old. Because the, as he is growing up and maturing and looking at the world, there's more things that need answers. And so when it comes to questions, as we grow and mature in our relationship with Jesus, naturally there's going to be questions that we all of a sudden have that we may have not once had. And there will even be times where we say, wait a second, I've always believed this. Now I'm not sure if that's true. And, and we, many Christians say, I'm not sure that doubt's good. And when we talk about, like, doubting Thomas, we roll our eyes and just kind of almost dismiss Thomas. But what's interesting is Luke points out all the disciples doubted. Matthew tells us that when Jesus ascended back to heaven, some worshipped while some doubted. But the only one of those who doubted who made his doubt known was Thomas. And when Jesus encounters Thomas, he doesn't wag a finger in his face and say, how could you? Instead, he says, place your fingers 
and place your hand into my wounds. In other words, if what you need to believe is to touch me, I'll give you that. And once Thomas has this encounter with Jesus, it's only then does Jesus say, stop doubting and believe. And so I think this idea of doubt, we see this in the Psalms when they're saying things like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God, why are you so far from the words of my groaning? There's this expression of, I know you to be someone, and you're not being that in my experience. And doubt is essential to our faith, because when we make our doubts known to God, what we're actually saying is, I believe you are someone who can respond to and answer me in my darkest moment, in my weakest moment. And so it's actually this very deep, interactive relationship with our Father in Heaven, and it's really a show of the trust in God to make our doubts known to Him. Now I want you to talk about from being right to being faithful. Yes. Being right to being faithful is this idea about we live in a world where there's a lot of arguments going on in our culture today, and it's who's right versus who's wrong. And so it's a very uh, binary, either-or argument that seem to happen around many, many things. And it gets exhausting. Uh, the arguments, the opinions, all of these insights. And so what we've done with our faith is we've imported making sure we have everything right. We have all of our I's dotted and our T's crossed. But it's interesting, when you look at the life of Jesus, what he's doing is he's saying, be faithful. He's saying things like, pick up your cross, follow me, die to yourself. There's this invitation to live like he lives, and it's this invitation to model his life to our world. And so if you think about, like, marriage, there's all sorts of different rules, but sure, we should follow those. Or what we could do is we could begin teaching husbands and wives what it looks like to live beyond themselves for the benefit of the other, to give themselves to their spouse each and every day so that their spouse will be someone who is more fruitful, more loving, more compassionate. And that goes beyond the categories of right and wrong. But the interesting thing is when we are faithful, what we begin to find is right and wrong almost seem to take care of themselves. And so it's this idea that we put the cart before the horse, and if we put faithfulness to God first, what we'll find out is a lot of these categories that we spend time arguing over will, in fact, begin to order themselves. My guest is Michael Hidalgo. He's the lead pastor of Denver Community Church. We're talking about his book, Changing Faith. Uh, Michael, talk to us about From Power to Truth. Yeah, I talk about how uh, I start the chapter saying, to the victor not only goes the spoils of war, but to the victor also goes the opportunity to tell the story about the war. And it's interesting, scholars point out that the Bible is one of the few books written from the margins. Like, Jesus, in the minds of the, of the powers of his day, did not win. He lost. And so for the Romans, they crucified him. For, the, for the, the elite, the religious elite in Jesus' day, they got him killed. They did away with him. And so really, there's this idea in our minds that power gives us the opportunity to speak the truth to the world. Jesus goes the other way. And in the minds of the world, he has no power. He loses. He gets crucified. But what's fascinating is it's in that loss, it's in giving his life for the redemption of you and me and our world, it's in being crucified that actually the the real power comes and the real truth is there. And I talk about how when you see people living lives of sacrifice, when you see someone living generously, when you see someone giving to another, when you see someone who forfeits their own rights and privilege so that they can care for and have compassion on another. There's something about that, that our world goes, that's, that's good, that's right, that's true. And so we can actually release the power that our world is always encouraging us to have, an imitation of Jesus. We can, as I said, pick up that cross, and in doing so, we will be able to tell the true story 
of Jesus to our world. Michael, the next thing I want you to do is tell us about From Legalism to Wholeness. Yes. Uh, The Christian faith, for some, is about obeying a list of rules. And so it's don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. And then for, for others, there's this new term called missional, meaning the Christian faith is about all the things you're supposed to do. And if we're not careful, we can obey a bunch of rules and not do some things, or we can do a bunch of things. And so we can become very moral or very missional. And in doing so, we can actually not really become more like Jesus at all. And I think the cleverest trick the evil one would ever play on the people of God is get us to do a bunch of really good things without becoming closer to or more like Jesus at all. And I talk about wholeness is addressing our sin, our brokenness, our fear, our failure, and bringing that to Jesus, and in doing so, asking him to forgive us, to heal us, to make us whole. Because the reality is you can become more moral and more missional and not become more like Jesus, but you can't become more like Jesus without becoming more moral or more missional. How about this one, from toil to work? Yeah, I just had a meeting this morning with a few guys that I'm mentoring, and they talk about their job, and it's the common phrase I hear from so many people, I can't stand my job, I'm so tired of my Mm, job. mm. And we live in a world that holds out the carrot on the end of the stick, that if you do these things, you'll be successful. If you do these things, you'll get the corner office. And I've met with so many people over the years who are successful, who live in the right part of town, who have the office on the highest floor in the corner, and they're unbelievably burdened and unfulfilled. And this is toil. This is from Genesis chapter 3, when when Adam and Eve eat the fruit, and God says, through painful toil, you're going to bring forth fruit from the ground. The word toil means agony or anxiety or sorrow. And and what's interesting is, is that's in comparison to God's command in Genesis 2 when he brings the man to life and he says, I'm going to place you in my garden to work it and care for it. Work there is the same word used for worship. It's the priest's work in the temple. And so for us, it's not pursuing all the things that success on the American way of thinking often tells us, but it's pursuing work as worship. It's doing the things that make you feel feel alive. It's doing the things that have eternal value, and when you do those, you make other people feel alive, and you give other people this perspective that's well beyond the world in which we're living, and it's, it's this eternal perspective. And so it's forsaking the idea of success, and it's pursuing this idea of work as worship. From nowhere to everywhere, what's that about? Yeah, I begin by telling a story about 10-plus years ago. I, in my own mind, I told my friends, I told my wife, I'm done with ministry, and I'm not sure where I'm going to be with God the next few years. And I had this deep sense. My wife and I went through this deep agony at multiple levels with her family and with my job and my work. I really believed that God was just somewhere else. God was nowhere And as I began to work through my pain, uh, the struggles that we had had, what I began to see was that in all the places where it seemed like God had truly left me, in the times when I cried out, like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What I began to see was that God was actually right there in the middle of it with me, and not just right there in the middle of it, but that in the moments of my deepest pain, my, my, my most intense tears, that God in the person of Jesus was hurting with me and weeping with me. And we oftentimes categorize places where God will be and God won't be. And I think it's this invitation to wake up to we serve a God who is, in fact, in all places, the brightest places, the darkest places, both in our life and in our world. From bad news to good news, that's topic 11. Yes, bad news to good news. So if the gospel is good news, there's the assumption that there's some kind of bad news. And what I've learned is that everybody 
seems to have some sort of bad news in their world, something that doesn't make sense, something that doesn't add up, uh, questions that have no good answer or direction. And so I talk about how when it comes to sharing our faith, when we look at the person of Paul in Acts chapter 17, and he's in Athens, he begins by speaking and listening. And when he finally goes up to the Areopagus to preach to those who are assembled there, it's fascinating to see how he actually brings good news to their bad news. They believed in these gods that were ready to punish them, and they had to appease them and build temples. And Paul says, no, no, God is one who gives everyone life and breath and everything else. You don't need to do all of this because God is doing all of this for you. And so what would happen in our world if we look at our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, our family, and we began to see what's their bad news? What are the places that give them fear and anxiety? What are the things that give them pain? And what if we could live and preach good news to them, to their bad news? From fear to love. Fill us in on that. Yeah, we live in a world that's filled with fear. Uh, I mean, if you turn on the news, it, it's fear from whether it's politics to wars to uh, extremists to whatever. There's just always seems to be this low-lying fear. And in some ways, fear can make us feel alive because it keeps you on your toes and you're either going to fight or you're going to run. But really, fear erodes over the course of time. And what's interesting is John tells us that perfect love drives out fear. And so if we're going to be the people of God, we're not going to worry for anything. We're not going to have anxiety. We're not going to be terrified about what human beings can do to us because we serve a God who is love, a God who doesn't guarantee us that bad things aren't going to happen, but a God who does say, my love, my presence, my plan is bigger than anything in this world, and you can believe in that. If you think about a parent when their child is scared, they always put their arms around them and hold them close and hug them, and somehow that works. This is exactly what John's getting after. This love, this nearness of God is the thing that will bring us through and beyond fear and truly make us feel alive far more than fear ever can. Michael Hidalgo has been our guest We've got more after this. Don't go away. You're listening to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, Florida. Back after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You want to feel connected, informed, included, inspired. So when important things happen, we're here. Your local radio and TV broadcasters, America's number one source for news, weather, and information on your radio, TV, computer, tablet, and smartphone. We are broadcasters, always here for you, wherever here may be. Tell Washington local stations matter by texting radio to 52886. Furnished by NAB in the station, message and data rates may apply. Hi, I'm Steve Lash of Blue Book Cars in Sanford. We've been in business for over 37 years, and I have never seen interest rates lower for used cars than right now. Banks and credit unions are offering unbelievable rates, as low as 1.7 on used vehicles. These lending institutions are begging for customers as they need new loans. And at Blue Book Cars, we've increased our already large inventory of cars, trucks, minivans, and commercial work vans because of customer demand to save thousands of dollars versus buying a new one. National financial consultants agree you should buy a late model used vehicle, saving thousands of dollars and beating depreciation costs. 
Come see us at Blue Book Cars for the largest selection. Our inventory includes 2012 models and older. And if your credit's been damaged due to the economy or other factors, we can help you. So come one and all to Blue Book Cars today. Save thousands and have a low payment for your budget. See us at BlueBookCars.com. And Blue Book Cars is a member of the Orlando Tides Network. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. My guest in that first half hour, Michael Hidalgo from Denver, talking about his new book, Changing Faith. Well, we stay out west. We go from Denver to the Portland area. Matt Michelotis is with us, and we're going to talk about his new book, Into the Fray. But uh, first of all, let me just remind you that... uh, Matt is the author of many books. He's been on the staff of Campus Crusade for Christ for 15 years, and uh, he and his family reside near Portland, Oregon. Matt, wonderful to catch up with you. Thanks for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Pat. Into the Fray, the story of Acts retold for today. Uh, Tell me how you went about putting this book together for Baker Books. Yeah, a big a big part of what I do, obviously working with a crew, Campus Crusade for Christ, is I work a lot with college students. And one of the things that concerns me is they often ask the question, is the Bible relevant? They just don't see it. They don't understand. And so what I tried to do with this book, the idea was, let's talk about the book of Acts in a way that makes it very clear that it's relevant by retelling some of the stories as if they happened in modern day to bring out how it might look today, and what it has to do with our lives today, and then backfilling with the history and the theology and all those pieces that uh, might have become lost in the translation to modern day. Okay, well, let's get started. Chapter 1, Beautiful Feet on Distant Mountains. Uh, How do you get started here? What are you teaching us here? One of the main things we start with is the idea of what is the gospel. Now, I think most people, when you ask them what is the gospel, they'll say good news, that it's good news. But we go back to the very beginning, to the Greek origins of the word gospel. The word gospel is actually not from the Greek. It's from Middle English, right? It means uh, the Middle English word was godspiel, like godspiel, good news, good story. Uh, So it's a translation. So we look actually at the original Greek idea, which it was used in battle. Uh, when someone came running from the battlefront with news, they would come with the euangelium, the, the good news of the battle, you hope. And the person who brought that good news was called the evangelist. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we start with in the book, is what is the good news about Jesus exactly? And, and what, what does that mean, to talk about the good news of Jesus? Because it's really core what happens in the rest of the book of Acts as the Holy Spirit is sending people out to share the good news. So that's where we start in the book. Second topic, the origin of fire. Yeah, the idea there is uh, talking about how the, uh, you know, in, in the book of Acts, people are in the upper room praying at, at the instruction of Jesus, waiting for the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, it's like an explosion. It, everything changes. And we talk about this idea of a forest fire, that all if all the different pieces are in place, that you have fuel, you have oxygen, and you have the flame, that uh, it can radically alter things quickly. And that's what, what this chapter talks about, is the idea of human beings really are the fuel uh, in some sense. And the situation was like oxygen and the Holy Spirit came and provided the flame, and and that was the beginning. That was the explosion that started changing everything. Now I want you to get into ordinary earthquakes. What does that mean? So one of the things that's really fascinating in the book of Acts is we see the apostles having these really incredible interactions. So, for instance, they'll be uh, walking well, just to go to a worship service, and there'll be someone there who is crippled. And they'll be saying, hey, do you have any money? And they stop and say, well, as if it's an ordinary thing. Well, you know, I actually don't have any change. What if I just healed you? Would that be okay? (laughs) And and then when the person is healed and jumping around dancing and acting like uh, it's a big deal, which you would think it is, and all the people are saying, what's going on? Oh, that's amazing. 
you find Peter. He turns around and looks at the crowd and he says, Whoa, what, why is everyone so surprised by this? Uh, this is ordinary. This is every day. This is the power of God. Why would this shock you? And so <laughs> talk some about the idea of an ordinary earthquake, the idea that when you're a follower of God, that these things that we look at in the book of Acts and say, that's spectacular, that's amazing, that's incredible, that the early followers of Jesus seem to look at those things and say, well, I'm a little confused why you're so amazed by this. This is just what it's like in your, when you're in the presence of God, that this is to be expected. And uh, I think that's, that's an attitude we see through much of, of the book of Acts, actually, in, in those who are following him. The fourth topic is called dead money. Uh, Matt, what does that mean? (laughs) Well, I think perhaps one of the most distressing stories in the book of Acts is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Mm. And there are many, many people who have tried to come up with reasons for why why God did what he did in this story. And the story, of course, is Ananias and Sapphira come to the community of faith, and they say, we've given all our money, or we've sold some property, and we want to give all the money to the church, to the community. Uh, and God is very displeased, the Holy Spirit specifically, uh, because, as Peter says, why have you chosen to lie to the Holy Spirit? You've blasphemed against God. And then first Ananias, and later his wife Sapphira, God straight out, causes them to die. So this is a distressing story in a lot of ways. It, it, I think for many people it feels like, gosh, it's just this little lie. Why, why this little lie is enough to be killed for? What's really interesting in this story is that at this time, everyone in the community of faith is bringing everything they have to the table. Uh, people are selling, uh, we, we hear, for instance, a man named Barnabas, he sells he sells some property, and he brings everything to the community. Everyone's amazed. Uh, what's, what's really important is that it says that the community of faith recognized this as an outpouring of God's grace to them. They, they didn't, this is a situation where actually they were surprised. Healing someone, that seemed normal. But this was a moment that they stopped and said, wow, God has really blessed us with his grace that the rich people are taking care of those with nothing. And so what happened is, as Ananias and Sapphira come, and they say, uh, they basically are counterfeiting God's grace by lying about what they're not actually participating in this way. So what they're doing is, one, they're downplaying the importance of God's grace. And secondly, they think they're going to get away with it, which is a revelation of who they think the Holy Spirit is, which is they didn't think much of him, actually. So I, the sin here, and obviously one of them is lying against the Holy Spirit, but I think in the modern day how we might look at it in the way we would talk about it is the idea here is that these are people who are trying to receive spiritual benefit and position without doing the work. They're making the appearance of someone who is following God without doing the work of following God, which is, which is common. I think, in our churches today. And that's something the Holy Spirit wanted to say straight off the bat, hey, this is not okay. Trying to look good is not what we're doing here. You're trying to experience the grace of God in the midst of this place. What about the outlaws? What's that mean? <laughs> one, of the, uh, one of the things that happens really early in the community of faith is that they discover that uh, they're being told by people in authority that the way they're attempting to follow God is is inappropriate, that it's not allowed, that it's illegal. And they find themselves very quickly uh, arrested, put in jail, uh, beaten, given trouble. Uh, and one of the things that's really fascinating is their response. What, what we don't see them doing is saying, like, oh, gosh, well, if it's illegal— to speak about Jesus in that way, I guess we should find something else to do, another way to go about it. Instead, they, they really, they just kind of shrug and they say, well, who should we follow? You, the authorities, the religious authorities, or should we follow the one uh, with even 
greater authority, God himself. And they kind of just tell everyone, hey, we're sorry that we're breaking your laws, but telling people the good news is more important. My guest, Matt Michelotis, and he is with us from the Portland area. Waiters and parking lot attendants. Really, that's the name of a chapter. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Yeah, what we talk about in this chapter is this idea that uh, imagine your church today. Like, I don't know how many people go to your church, but I grew up in this church in Missouri that had, oh, I don't know, 150 people in it, which is about what we see at the beginning of the book of Acts in, in, in the upper room, you know, somewhere in that area. So what happens when on week two of your Sunday morning series you have 3,000 people show up. What do you, what do, you do? I, I, I imagine my church in, in Nashua, Missouri, well, what would we have done? We wouldn't have had room to park the cars. We wouldn't have, even if we had had everyone stand in the parking lot, we probably wouldn't have had room for everyone, uh, let, let alone to get them there. So this is the situation the early church is put in basically right away. And one of the things that happens on the front end, is that they start having trouble uh, with administration, essentially, which is to be expected. Uh, but one of the problems is there's a race a race issue, a racial issue that comes up where some of the Greek people are not being given the allotment of food. Now, these are widows, people that need to be taken care of by the community. And it's really interesting what the leaders of the church do is when the minority is being abused by the majority, whether on purpose or not, they put minority people in charge of fixing it. So they gave authority to some Greek believers to take care of it. Well, Hellenistic Jews, there was only one who was actually a convert from Greek. From Greek. Um, the fascinating piece about this is the people they chose were primarily ordinary, everyday people who, they said, were full of the Holy Spirit, were respected in the community. And so you have, and their job, essentially, is to serve the community. They're waiters. In fact, the the word deacon, which is what they were called, essentially means servants, servers. Uh, So they're waiters, that that they come and say, what do you need? And then they try to take care of it. And I think, uh, you know, these are roles that we downplay in modern day, in a lot of ways. The, the guy who's showing you where to park at church is not someone you look at and go, wow, that's a really important position in our church. But in the early church, it certainly was. It, it was one that was looked on with respect. And, uh, you know, these were ordinary people. But I think one of the things uh, that's really interesting about these waiters and parking lot attendants is, is Stephen. Uh, Stephen is this guy that he, he falls in this category, right, of the waiters and parking lot attendants. He's meant to be a servant. He's taking your orders, uh, this kind of thing. But uh, so he's not an apostle. But one of the things he loved, one of the things Stephen loved to do was go and talk to people about Jesus. And we see that people uh, loved interacting with him. The community of faith really adored this guy. And what happened is those outside the community of faith found him a little frustrating because he couldn't be beaten in an argument. He was so winsome, he was so smart and good at what he did that they couldn't they couldn't stand up against his uh, his points of view. So eventually, of course, the story is is beaten to death. Um, but the fascinating thing to me is that part of what this says is that even the parking lot attendants in the kingdom of God are people to be reckoned with. So maybe you're not an apostle, or you're not one of the twelve, or you're not a leader in the church, but so what? The Holy Spirit can still speak through you just as powerfully as he did through you know that waiter, that parking lot attendant, uh, the spirit-filled man who was named Stephen. My guest, <clears throat> Matt Michelotis, And we're talking about his new book, Into the Fray, the story of Acts, retold for today. Baker Books put the book out. Um, My latest book is out, by the way, folks. It's called uh, Vince Lombardi on Leadership. 
uh, a, a really intense look at the great Packer coach through the narrow lens of leadership. And uh, Amazon.com, always a wonderful way to order books. Matt's uh, book included, which is called Into the Fray, The Story of Acts, retold for today. We've got another segment with Matt. I want you to stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN right here in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Hey, I'm Chris Brown, host of Chris Brown's True Stewardship, brought to you by Ramsey Solutions. As a husband and father, I know the stress of managing family finances. And as a pastor, I've seen how handling money poorly can tear apart lives. Well, imagine what life would be like if there were no car payments, student loans, or money fights. What if your finances could be worry-free? God has a lot to say about money. Tune in. Chris Brown's True Stewardship, right after New Life Live, weekdays at 2, on your intersection of faith and reason, the new 950 WTLN. Warning, do not drink milk while watching the hilarious clean comedy videos at GodTube.com. Extended viewing of Safe for the Family Comedy at GodTube.com from Christian comedians like Tim Hawkins, Anita Renfro, Bob Smiley, and more may lead to crippling side effects such as watery eyes, runny nose, and a bright red face. (laughs) At GodTube.com, non-offensive good clean humor leads to giggles, guffaws, and howls. Some even experience ROFL. (laughs) Rolling on the floor laughing. GodTube.com may be habit-forming. That's GodTube.com. I'm not kidding. GodTube.com. Half-priced homeschool tuition. Hi, this is Bill Files, GM here at Salem Media Group in Orlando. Over the past four years, we've helped more than 150 parents and their children get into a Christian education environment with half-priced tuition. Well, now I've got some exciting news for parents who homeschool. We are now offering a whole new segment of half-priced tuitions for campus-based homeschool curriculum. If you're a parent or grandparent of children who are homeschooled, this could be a terrific opportunity for you. Go to AmazingRadioDeals.com and click on Half Price Tuition and check out the new listing at the top of the page for Half Priced Homeschool. It's easy. Go to AmazingRadioDeals.com and click on Half Price Tuition and check out the new listing at the top of the page for Half Priced Homeschool Tuition. Half Priced Homeschool Tuitions, another great idea for the new 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Matt Michelotis is here uh, on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, The book is called Into the Fray. Uh, Chapter 7, Matt, is called The Effeminate Foreigner. Uh, What's happening here? What are you teaching us here? (laughs) Okay. Well, imagine for a moment that... Holy Spirit, that God speaks to you, and he says something, you know, a little strange. He says, I want you to go to that deserted road, you know, off in the middle of nowhere. I just want you to head out there, and then I'll tell you what to do. And you get there, uh, assuming you're the kind of person who actually follows such instructions. I don't know that I would always fall in that category. But you get there, and you see uh, a motorcade going by, the police vehicles the uh, and a limousine with little colored flags on the front, right? For, for some country you don't recognize. And you hear God say to you, run up alongside that limousine, which is a strange instruction, especially given, you know, the, that this is clearly someone important. But you go and you run up alongside, and, and through the window, you can see someone on their iPad scrolling through what looks like the Bible. Of course, the police officer comes and tries to move you away from the window. But you say, you shout out, do you understand what you're reading? And the person in the back of the limousine rolls down the window and says, how can I possibly understand this unless someone explains it to me and waves you over? And when you go and you get in the back of that limousine, you meet someone who is unlike anyone you've met before. They're tall and thin uh, and effeminate for sure, and there's a a smell of perfume, a tight-fitting suit. And as you sit there and talk to this person, you realize that they've tried in the religious community to get information about God, and they've been rejected. They've been told that there's no place for them. Uh, And part of the—this clearly is the story 
of the uh, Ethiopian eunuch, and the eunuchs were rejected by the Jews completely. In fact, modern or uh, contemporary writings from the time of Acts have the Jewish people talking about how someone who's a eunuch should be treated as a murderer because they'll never have children, even though it probably wasn't their fault. Like this, this guy was probably uh, became a eunuch when he was a child, was probably a slave from uh, the, the queen Candace, the Kandaki of Ethiopia. So what's interesting about this story is that Stephen enters in to someone who, with someone who is completely outside of the social norms and who it should be expected that he would interact with. And I think part of the question is, as the Holy Spirit is expanding the kingdom of God and bringing outsiders in, I think there were these moments where people were uncomfortable with who was being brought in. And I think for myself, I have to ask the question, if God put me in that situation today, where I meet this kind of outsider, influential, but an outsider, effeminate, clearly not falling into, you know, the the Christian viewpoint of how one should live and, and family and whatever, am I comfortable enough to sit in the back of a car with someone uh, in private and tell them the story of Jesus, which is, which is what Stephen does. And one of the things I love, I'm sorry, Philip, one of the things I love about this story is that when the eunuch asks Philip, what prevents me? from being baptized, what prevents me from entering the community of faith, he literally means, what is it about me that does not allow me to be a follower of Jesus? Is it my skin color? Is it that I'm a eunuch? Is it that I'm a foreigner? And what Philip says to him is nothing. None of those things matter, so long as you believe. And then he baptizes him. And at the time, a baptism would have been done, uh, and is still done in Israel, actually, would have been done completely naked. So the man stripped down completely, and then Philip baptized him. And so I think one of the beautiful things is all the things that this man had been told kept him out of the temple. So the fact of his castration, the color of his skin, his nationality, are on full display as he enters into the water and thus into the kingdom of God, which I think is a really it's a beautiful moment in the book of Acts. Those who are far off. Topic number eight. Yeah, uh, over and over, the people of faith in the book of Acts keep coming up with, they keep coming up with sort of rules, like who's in, who's out. It, it starts with just the Jewish people. Well, the Jewish people who decide to follow Jesus, clearly they're in. It starts to slowly expand the people who are willing to convert to Judaism, they're in. And then from there, you know, we get to, uh, eventually, the Holy Spirit forces them to say, well, Gentiles who don't want to convert to Judaism can still follow Jesus. In fact, Peter is shocked by this. The, the Holy Spirit comes uh, to a setting with some Gentiles who want to follow Jesus, and the Holy Spirit comes on those people. And Peter essentially just, like, looks around and says, well, what are we going to do? If the Holy Spirit accepts them, who are we to say they have to be rejected? And then we have people like the Ethiopian eunuch who... The, who they would have believed could not enter into God's presence, being allowed in. And this is sort of the final straw right here. Is there's this guy, Saul, running around killing people who are following Jesus. And he's pretty much, everyone's saying, well, that guy, at least we know, is on the outside. And the Holy Spirit just doesn't allow that. Every time someone says, well, that person's an outsider, that person will never follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit says, actually, I think you need to rethink that. And he brings them an example. And, and in this case, it's Saul who's persecuting them that becomes this passionate follower of, of Jesus. And, and that's this moment where I think we need to realize that we get really caught up in who the enemy is, those who are far off. Who, who are the people that are against God, the enemies of God? And I think... Part of the message of the book of Acts is that we don't need to be afraid of those people, the Saul of this world, that our fight, our, our battle is not against human beings, that our quarrel is not with flesh and blood, that, uh, yeah, that Saul became our brother. And, and that can be true of the Saul that we know today, 
that uh, we can see someone who's fighting against the Christian community, fighting against God, and see them as broken people who are less powerful than God, that they're in need of compassion and healing, and that they need to be cleansed in living water. And I think that's, that's where the book of Acts takes us in that story. Talk to us now about those who are far off. Topic eight. Um, yeah, that, that's, I'm sorry. That's, I may have misheard you. I think that's the one I just did. And then, the, then let's talk about the sale. Okay. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, the sale, there's this moment where Peter is up on a roof, and he's hungry, which I think is a funny detail, and he's praying, and this, this uh, yeah, sail, the sheet comes down, and on it are a bunch of things he knows that he shouldn't eat. And then he starts talking about that. Well, well I don't, I don't want to do that. And God keeps telling him, don't call what I have created unclean. And this is part of the situation that is leading him toward this place of realizing the importance of uh, that God says you shouldn't call anyone impure that he is made. And Peter seems to take this communication not to be about uh, an alteration of the dietary laws. In fact, I have a, a rabbi friend uh, in California who I called and talked through this with him. And I said, if you had a vision like this from God, what would be your first thought? And, and he's never read the book of Acts. He said, I think I would just wonder what that meant and what he was trying to say. I wouldn't jump to the conclusion that it was the end of the dietary law, certainly. Uh, and that's actually what the Bible says about Peter. It says he wondered at the meaning of the vision. So he didn't take it to mean necessarily that it was a change in the uh, dietary laws. And in fact, what he eventually comes to, and this is the Holy Spirit leads him to this, is this idea that he can't call any human being unclean. He can't make that decision. He can't make that distinction. But that's God's business. So, and, and I think for myself, when I start to think about that, and I look at my community, and I look at my own heart, I have to say, are there people in the world who I would just immediately count as unclean because of their behavior or belief system? My guest has been Matt Michelotis. His book is called Into the Fray, The Story of Acts Retold for Today. Uh, we've got to wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLS. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is a national health care alert from the Health Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You could qualify for a pain-relieving knee brace at little or no cost to you. Get free delivery, and all the paperwork is handled by our accredited suppliers at no charge to you. So if you're on Medicare and have knee pain, don't wait. You may qualify to immediately receive a pain-relieving knee brace at little or no cost. Friendly agents are standing by 24-7 to help you. We also have other pain-relieving braces, too, for your shoulder, ankle, or back. You may be eligible to get these items and more at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Our friendly representatives are standing by now to help you, so please call now. 800-215-6812. 800-215-6812. That's 800-215-6822. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Thank you so much for joining us here, folks, for the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We do this show every weekend. Always delighted when you join us. Uh, Michael Hidalgo was our guest in that first half hour from Denver, uh, talking about his book, Changing Faith. And then Matt Michelotis joined us from Portland, <clears throat> talking about his book, into the fray. Please join, uh, visit my website, folks. It's patwilliams.com. Uh, the Twitter page is Orlando Magic Pat. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, my new book is out. It's called Vince Lombardi on Leadership. Uh, we look at the great Packer coach through the narrow lens of leadership and uh, hope you enjoy it. Uh, go visit Amazon.com and you can get up to date on all that's going on in the book world. 
In the meantime, uh, have a wonderful day in church tomorrow with your family and a terrific week ahead. And we'll be back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Power Hour. You're listening to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.